It is time for Okaboji Broadcast with Jeff Thebe broadcasting from historic Arnold's Park Amusement Park. Welcome to Okaboji Broadcast everybody, I'm Jeff Thee and uh, to our veterans, happy Veterans Day and with me today I have one of our veterans here in Dickinson County, Aubrey LaFoy, also historian, author, former teacher and uh, a good friend of mine and we got talking about uh, how we could talk about Veterans Day and specifically to Dickinson County and I asked you who could I talk to <laughs> and you said well how about me <laughs> and, and I, I texted you back and I said well, I was hoping you would say that Aubrey so but let's talk about Veterans Day and I'm one of the I'm, the, I'm getting we're getting thinner all the time yeah I, I think there's uh, uh, maybe less than Maybe 300,000 of us left after yeah. there were 16 million of us at, at the height of the World War II, yeah. and uh, we're getting the ranks are getting kind of thin. And I was one of the younger ones because I went in in, uh, in 1943, and I was in uh, 30 months at that. But uh, there were a lot of uh, you know veterans around, but uh, those guys are. Thin and rank. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, you know, if you were 17, 18 years old back then. And uh, now, where did you, what branch were you in, Aubrey, and where'd you serve? Well, it's got a different story about it. But anyway, when uh, I was uh, in World War II, and then after we entered the uh, war in December of 1941, <clears throat> uh, all the young men were drafted. And uh, when you turned 18 years of age, you went up to the courthouse and you registered for the draft. Right. And then you were put in the, you know, in the draft pool, and, uh, and then they would uh, call, oh, say like in Dixon County. Now, you know, we are in a large populated county. Right. And I just, even today, it still amazes me. Month after month after month, we sent 25 or 30 guys into the service from, from this area. That's astounding, you know, because our population base in Dickinson now is about 17,000, and yeah. back then I wouldn't even have a clue as to what it is, but certainly sparser. Not, yeah, but, uh, well, just like I graduated from Milford High School down here in 1943, and everyone except one man, one fellow was in the service, and the classes before me in 42, they were all in, and, you know, you go back about three or four years and then after the in 44 like Bib Walters he was graduating he was in the there you know, so just about every young man was in in the service here. Right. and in those days it wasn't that you were trying to avoid the draft most of us were concerned about are we going to get in you know right yeah sure you know and it was just the, the pressure on the, to get it well anyway <clears throat> I was 18 years of age and I had gone out to Seattle, Washington and worked in the shipyards after not very long but I worked in shipyards in Seattle, Washington and I turned 18 in June 16th and so I came back and I went up to the courthouse and registered and uh, it was just a, I don't know, it was a couple of days later or so I met a man on the street in Milford mm -hmm. and he was recruiting uh, for the uh, aviation engineers out in uh, Marchfield, California, in ri near Riverside. Okay. And my dad was in World War One, and he was uh, an engineer. And you know, I thought, well, 
so I volunteered for that. So I was didn't need to worry about uh, you know getting drafted or anything. Drafted or anything. Yeah. So uh, I then I drafted. I got in the, in uh, July, and I went down to Des Moines and took the physical. And uh, thank goodness it was in the summer because. And they took everything off. The only thing I had on was my glasses, you know, and <laughs> praying around there for a couple hours, you know. And uh, anyway, uh, I uh, came back the, after they and they passed that, and then uh, they uh, swore us in, and then we let, came us home for a, two or three weeks, and then I then I went in in late August, or late late uh, July, and uh, early August in 1943. And that's that's where I went, and so I was in the Air Force. Right. But it was in those days it was called the Army Air Corps. We were actually part of the Signal Corps originally. Oh, really? Okay. And it wasn't until I think it was '46 that we became the Air Force became a ah. separate. So after the war, that term. Uh, yeah. Came right. Out. Okay. Right. And so uh, anyway, that's what I did my training uh, there as as an engineer, mm -hmm. and one of the. I, first job I got there was a clerk typist because I took typing for two years down here in Milford. Sure. And I, I was at a while and then uh, I got uh, down to a truck driver. And I took a course to become a truck driver and so on like that. So, I mean, that kind of set me up for the rest of the, of the war. Sure. Well, then I was in that, that for a while and uh, it's how things happen, you think, and God, you know, God has sometimes. Uh, things for you to do you yeah know. you've got a plan there a plan yeah. and then and we were there in marshall we went we went out to edwards air force base uh in california mm -hmm. and that was an interesting place because uh one of the some of the things i thought was the first rocket i mean uh, our ships or jets ships you know yeah and i remember we were out working in this in uh we were building a rifle range over and across the dry lake there yeah and this plane kept going over, and, and we, we, it zipped by, and, every, and we argued, where the heck's the propeller, you know? <laughs> and uh, it was just like a, took a big smokestack and it took two wings and a tail on it. <laughs> but, but, you know, but it, was, it was one of the first ones. Oh my goodness. The jet. And then they had a Norris wing there, and then they had also uh, another one, they had a, a remote uh, airplane that we sent up back, you know, so it was kind of interesting. Well, now, I suppose jets were almost top secret at that time. Well, right? yeah, this is one of the early jets, and yeah. it smoked like the Dickens, you know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that was kind of interesting. But anyway, and then I got, they called back, they need some engineers. Well, they just didn't look at, we were aviation engineers, but they needed engineers, and they were going to send us into the combat engineers, you know, I mean, they don't know. Sure. Anyway, so I, I was taking the physical for two and that. I got almost through, and the and the fellow says, uh, have you got glasses in your gas mask? I said, no, I don't have any glasses. So I got scrubbed for that because, you know, just imagine that I wasn't on that because I didn't have glasses oh my in my gas mask because we carried a gas mask all during World War II. Yeah. That was an old hangover from World War One, you know. Right. <clears throat> so I, I missed it. Well, thank goodness, because that combat engineers, uh, they're the kinds that go ahead of everybody else and stop and see where the <laughs> landmines <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> but then, then I got transferred from that. Uh, they did a lot of 
fill-ins in uh, the B-29s. I went down to Kansas, okay. I was, and then the B-29s. Uh, again, I was in the transportation section of that, and I went overseas with the B-29s to India, and uh, that's, that was a nice uh, ocean, ocean voyage. We were there about 33 days in the, this <laughs> troop ship from uh, San Pedro, uh, drowned, stopped in Australia for a couple of days, but they didn't let us off the ship because it was a huge, it was an, ex, an old, uh, you know, a converted uh, luxury lighter. Okay. Oh, okay. And we had about seven or 8,000 guys on that ship. Right. And uh, they let the sailors off, but they didn't let any of the, the GIs off. So I, my uh, experience of looking at Melbourne, Australia, was through a pair of binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine had. But anyway, we landed, landed up in uh, Bombay, India, because we had no idea where we were going. You right. know, we, we had our even a winter under fits and so on like that. We thought Alaska, that might be one. You know, were you equipped uh, in case of attack? During that long voyage at all to uh, defend yourselves? Well, there were a couple of uh, I'd call them pop guns we had on that okay. uh, on the ship, but that's that's about all. That was about know? all. Okay. But uh, as you take off and uh, the ship, as it was, didn't go in a straight line; it went on a zigzag like that. So it would change course about every three or four minutes, uh, and that's why we zigzag clear across the Pacific Ocean and clear around Australia. Okay. And then up the ocean there uh, to uh, Bombay, India. Right. And that's where he got it. And they got off. <clears throat> I thought it was really a, I don't know whether it's a coincidence or what, but we land on April Fool's Day, <laughs> <laughs> 1944. <laughs> and, you know, and to, to take a, a young man or a person from, and even today, to, if you go from growing up in uh, Iowa, for instance, yep. and you're dumped into a third-class country. Sure. Huge culture it's shock. Just, it's different. You know, it just, and India at that time was uh, not very uh, sophisticated. Right. And I thought I'd live to be 100 years old before I got all those smell out of my nose it's that way well, but are you getting close I get, I'm getting close I don't smell it so bad anymore but uh, then we got on that went on a train clear across India it took us uh, six or seven well no it took us about uh, yeah about eight days to go clear across we went from Bombay to a camp near uh, Calcutta okay like that and uh, I'll tell you how fast the train went at times a lot of times we would get out and run along the side with it <laughs> <laughs> but, kind of a slow choo -choo, and, yeah. and the accommodations were uh, they were uh, in India the, the trains are you can't go from one to another each one is a different sep separate uh, compartment oh my goodness and sure. there, there were about 15 or 16 of us in this compartment uh, the windows were open and the uh, facilities were nothing there the, the toilet was a hole in the wall in the floor uh -huh. <laughs> and you know and uh, they stopped we would stop uh, at uh, noon uh, and evening and we they'd cook off the side and then we'd all go to get to eat like that and okay. then we had K rations and so sure but it was really a interesting first night we were on that uh, train uh, <clears throat> we went to lay down and we took the barracks bag and laid them in the aisles and on the seats and we found out there wasn't enough room for everybody to lay down. <laughs> so I volunteered to sit in the 
doorway with my with the door open and my feet down <laughs> there, and and you know, and that was all right too because it was cooler. Yeah. But, but anyway. And you didn't fall out. Yeah. So, <laughs> so well, anyways, I was there a while, and I won't make a long story short. But then I got that outfit, the B 29s uh, bombed uh, Japan and some other places. Right. And uh, we had to draw, fl fly over the hub. Well, I, I got put into another outfit because <coughs> they didn't, somebody didn't figure out how much gas that wrestles took. So I was in a, a B-24J out, which they took B-24s and converted them to tankers. Right. And they flew those gas filled planes up from India over the hub to China. Right. Uh, and uh, anyway, I was in that, and I had, a I had a very sophisticated job. I was on the personal equipment, and um, my job was uh, to check the oxygen system. Okay. And my equipment was uh, two wrenches, a, a can of uh, soapy water, <laughs> and a paintbrush. <laughs> well, anyway, that, that was your equipment. Yeah. But anyway, that, so anyway, so I found. And then after I got put in another outfit, and the next thing I knew, I got dumped into a quartermaster company and and, and drove from India to China. And I spent the uh, last of the war about uh, seven, six, seven months up in China. Yeah. So I got to see the world. And uh, when I came home, I came the other way through the uh, Suez Canal, the Mediterranean. And so I here I was on just a almost 21 years old and I'd already been clear on the world man so, <laughs> so but anyway it has nothing anyway uh, uh, so you're there and you hear about uh, victory in Europe yeah and that was in May yeah 45 and then of course um, um, the Asian theater in uh, in uh, August August yeah yeah well and that's one of the untold <clears throat> stories was you know they were uh, almost a quarter of a million of us in China and India and Burma, and and uh, to get those guys back, to, you know, everybody wanted to come home. Sure. Well, and uh, I was I was in China. I was as far away from Bilfer, Iowa as you could possibly <laughs> yeah, get. I could I could go either east or west. Yeah, and I'd just be if the same you draw a straight line to the other side of the planet. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you know they they well I was up there and way up in China and I flew down to Kunming. Then I flew over the hump in a. 54 and then I got on a ship in the Calcutta and went down and I came home well but you know 3,500 guys well there's 3,500 you got you know a quarter of a million guys to you know <laughs> it, it that's that was quite so I didn't get home until January of 1946 oh my goodness oh and yeah. of course here I'd been in the tropics for all those years and I got dumped in the back in Iowa here in, in, in January <laughs> <But> I froze <laughs> yeah. I think it was April before I warmed up. I bet it was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was my experience in the, in the war. What um, was your um, father around when um, you went into the the service? Yeah, my, yeah, my father was in uh, World War One. Right, and he was he, he was drafted. He was one of the first one of the first drafts here in the, off of, out of Dixon County, and they went down to Camp Dodge, did some training, and then he got transferred into a a searchlight battalion okay. and they were in Washington DC and he trained there in Washington DC and then he went overseas to France and then they were had these searchlights over there and so on like that although uh, later on at one time that he 
they needed more guys in the front line, so he was kind of moved over there, you know. And when you're in the service, you do what you, you know. You, yeah, sure. you don't have a choice. But, and that was you, a different type of warfare with yeah, trench warfare. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And when you talk about searchlights, and it was the very first planes to be up, uh, yeah, you know, on the attack. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, and just and you think about the flu. That's a, that's a kind of interesting story too. My dad was. Uh, they were on a night march. And of course, that was right in the height of that flu epidemic, Spanish yeah. flu they had. And dad just got, he just dropped out. And he got himself to a, a farmhouse. And he always said this old uh, French lady just nursed him back to health again. Now he he, he was just tired. He never talked much about the, his time in the service there. Well, you know, and that's what I, I enjoy sitting and talking to you, Aubrey, because I mean, and that's been my experience with the uh, family members of mine that were in the Second World War that unless you ask specific questions, sometimes they don't care to talk about it. Yeah. Well. And it's interesting. So I enjoy listening to you reminisce. But when I was asking about your dad, I um, did he have any specific feelings having been in a world war when you were going over? Did uh, he say anything to you or? Um, Man, I know he cried when I left. Sure. Because he knew what I was getting into. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, but, uh, you know, and that, the thing of it, when I was over in India, and you think of today when you pick up your, you know, cell phone, you can call and talk to anybody in the world. Well, I get a letter there. It took three weeks to get a letter from India to home. Yeah. And uh, in the summer of 1944, I got infection in my right hand and almost lost my arm. Okay. And uh, that was before penicillin. And I had, they gave me sulfur drugs, but they, they saved my right hand. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I wrote, had a nurse write home and told him I was in there with my hand. Well, it took three weeks to get there and three weeks to get an answer back. Well, gripes, I was out of the hospital. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, uh, it just didn't, you didn't get in. Communications between their families were very nominal, especially when you're over in halfway around the world. Yeah, know? yeah, different world altogether now. <laughs> and um, Veterans Day being on the 11th, and of course this year it's so you know any commemorative services being virtual and and so forth. But I want to talk about Dickinson County. And when we I first contacted you, know we have the tower. <coughs> pardon me at the courthouse. And I think about the history of the uh, veterans from Dickinson County, and, yeah. and you got some information on that. Well, one of them, I, I really is, uh, I got very involved uh, with the uh, uh, Okaboja Cemetery up here. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things they found out early on is that uh, they had an American Legion uh, club here in uh, Arnold's Park. Well. They just ran out of guys, and so they expanded. And they were the ones that were taking care of putting the flags up on Memorial Day. Sure. And so, <laughs> so, so, uh, we we uh, I knew Barb Lancaster was uh, very very much involved with the Okaboja Cemetery, and uh, getting talking to her, and so I I was able to get uh, Mary Turnhorse had one of the classes up here in the Okaboja School. Sure. And so in, in talking to Mary, uh, we, we got the kids from the Okaboja Middle School to come on before Memorial Day and put the flags up for the veterans sure. there. 
and uh, the kids just enjoyed it. And, and Mary would bring down in three different groups, and they would one take one cemetery, and Barb and her group would ha get them the flags, and and the kids would go and put the flags up for the for the veterans on Memorial Day. And uh, <coughs> it's kind of interesting because it, you know a lot of the kids never even get in cemeteries, you know, first place. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but uh, they oh, did they had a ball those kids and one day uh, they were uh, three girls or four I don't know what's name arm in arm and they I mean, hey, gave them the flags and they were going down the thing there um, singing God bless America you know yeah. and it almost brought tears to my eyes yeah, watching those kids like that you know and there's even uh, that you know there's a there's about uh, 200 veterans buried in the Okaboja Cemetery up here going back, many of them back to the Civil War and, yeah. and so on like that. Uh, and uh, one fella down there, there's one thing in here, there's a there's one that uh, deals about World War um, One. There's a good story there about uh, if you get into the cemetery there, you'll find a uh, marker there is a I don't know if you can see it or not, mm -hmm. but there's a, a cross there, and on top of it is a, a World War One helmet. Yes. You know that? Well, that, that kind of uh, intrigued me. What that was? Well, so I did a little digging, and uh, <coughs> World uh, War One ended in in November 11th. Yeah. At 11 o'clock. Well, this fella, his name was uh, Wade um, Michaels. And he was uh, killed uh, November 10th. Oh my goodness. Just the day before the war. Yeah. And uh, he uh, was brought home, uh, buried there, and of course, in France. And then three years later, they brought the body home here. Okay. I, I didn't never quite f got the time, but I think he was almost, might have been on the ship that they brought the unknown. Soldier of oh, World War One back. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but right. anyway, uh, he's he's buried up here. And, you know, that's one of the inter unusual usual things about veterans. Uh, one of the things really bothers anybody that works in the cemeteries is that uh, young guys, or I don't know who they say, do maintain or well, anyway, they all bump into that. See, every uh, so everybody that was in the military. Is is a war is has a government plaque, little plaque that they mm -hmm. put on. They're going way back to the to the GARs, put them in. Okay. And everyone had been they get those things get knocked over and disappeared. You know, there's thirty or forty of them in in our cemetery. Yeah. Up here, I was talking to Denny uh, this morning, and he said a lot. The ones that uh, in the in Spirit Lake there, you know, the uh, the new one, I guess mm -hmm. you'd call it. Right. And it, they just get active, and they bend them over, and then they just throw them away, oh. you know. Well, it's hard to get them replaced. Yeah. And they're about 40 or 50 bucks a piece. And so, you know, so, but the kids, they look for those, and that's where they put the put the flags sure. on that, like that. So like, and then, yeah. And so, appropriately so, you know, and my mother, till the day she passed, uh, November 11th Armistice Day is how she referred to it mm -hmm. as opposed to yeah. Veterans Day and you know she 
That's yeah. what she was brought up with. Yeah, when I was a when I, I was a kid, and of course the World War One veterans and the American Legions, and then of course you got the VFW. Now uh, mm. there's um, American Legions. Any veteran can belong to the American Legion. The VFW is the Veterans of Foreign Wars, and you had need to serve overseas right. to belong to the. V I don't know if they're still that way or not, but that's that's. The difference between the two. So yeah. you have a very active VFW up here in Spirit Lake. Yes. And you have the American Legion down here in Milford. And uh, <clears throat> my dad, uh, I, I, well, I started school and every November 11th, uh, we had a, a pro, we had a program. The American Legion put on a program yeah. and uh, and uh, What's that one about the the poppies grow, you know, and so yep, on like that, yep. and, and all that's still, and they still, those poppies, they still have those, and there's a certain way you're supposed to put them on the right hand side, and you're supposed to have them a certain way, and so yep. on like that. There's a little <laughs> rule about that too, uh, but anyway, that's but those World War One veterans were very avid about, you know. I wouldn't say celebrating that day, but remembering, but, but that, remembering right. that day. Yeah, uh, a lot so. of comrades. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, and certainly for a united goal. And uh, um, it, yeah. I, and I'm not a veteran, Aubrey, and and I'm often in awe of those of you who are. There's a a brotherhood, and and with the women, the uh, a sisterhood as well. That you know, you shared something very deep. Yeah. Well, most everybody that was uh, in the World War. Two, all went to some basic training of some form or another. Some 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 were longer than others, mm -hmm. and so on. I had a, a a fellow I went through from Spirit Lake was a name was Stansel, and he was a uh, music teacher and so on like that. And I had him ask him if he had any pictures of when we were in basic training. He said that was the worst part of his life <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't gonna he didn't, he didn't want to remember one yeah. thing about it but of course i was just an 18 year old kid <laughs> and it was all just you know yeah we did a lot of a lot of training a lot of it was kind of it was it was uh pretty precise yeah pretty soon you know and uh learn how to shoot guns and handle getting of course uh, most guys from the, most of us from the, the middle west we've been shooting Rushing shots and BB guns ever since we were little kids and <laughs> rifles, you know. So that wasn't much of a chore for us. Yeah. But I, I got one story about that. I mean, and I'm not I'm not bragging about this, but we had 45 fellows in our platoon. Yeah. And it was kind of a volunteer group, and we had three men who were over, they were 49 years old, and here I was an 18 year old kid, and four, they did the same things we did, you know. And uh, two of them had been in World War One. Oh my! And uh, anyway, one of them was a interesting guy named was Pop Kelly, and he was a little short guy, wiry as a Dickens, you know. And he didn't have any trouble at all. And uh, ever so often they'd do something. He, he said, "But Sarge, that ain't the way we did it in the first war." <laughs> <laughs> the Sarge did yell. That's okay, Pop. We'll go like that. Of course, anybody's over. Anybody was over twenty five was was a oh sure at that time they called him pop you know yeah. <laughs> eighteen year old kid you know nineteen and most of them that went through there were eighteen and nineteen year olds and that's what you think like the invasion of of uh, France you know in World War Two most of those guys were eighteen to twenty years old oh yeah and uh, you know just 
today, and then somebody comes along today and says, well, you can't let them vote or, you know, they can't, they can't smoke, cuss, or drink, or anything like that. Was, you know, well, dude, those, in 18, in those days, they wouldn't have had much of an army. That's exactly right. But anyway, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we went to uh, uh, Armistice Day per, uh, programs, uh, and they continued for many, many years. Yeah. So I did, uh, and the school kids were all, you know, we, we were subject to that patriotic idea and so on like that. So it worked out real well for us and yeah. so on like that. Well, go ahead. You were going to say something. No, right? you know, and now talk about veterans. I Now, I think they are, but I'm not exactly. There are two veterans in the Spirit Lake Cemetery that were in the War of 1812. Now, now, now that means that they had to be... Uh, born in the 1700s. Absolutely, and, prior prior to the revolution. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, well, you know, the revolution was in 1777, and but this was 1812. Yeah. Well, even that, you 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 can't send a 12-year-old kid there. You know, they had to be, and there's a couple of them uh, from there. And then there, there are veterans there from the Mexican War, and there's veterans from the Spanish-American War, yeah. and World War One and World War Two. And then a lot of Korean, yeah. Uh, and then now, of course, the Vietnam. Yeah, a lot of guys. And uh, most of us were treated. I mean, we didn't when we got out of the service. Uh, there weren't any big parades or anything like that for us, you know. Right. Because we came back individually. Like right. I came back in January, you know. And uh, but the, the Vietnam veterans were, they were treated terrible. Yeah. And uh, you know, and and uh, yet I remember when I was I was teaching school over in Mason City uh, during that uh, Vietnam, and uh, several of the uh, f fellows that I had had in, in school, right. and one of the young men over there he got k killed in Vietnam, and they brought him home, and uh, he was in his casket there, you know, with a full uniform, and I don't know where he got hit to get get killed. Right. But he didn't. He didn't look like he, you know, right. and he was only, I think, 19 years old. Uh -huh. You know, that, that just kind of well, <laughs> gets, yeah. gets to it. You know? Well, yeah, serving his country. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And they, so they were drafted. Uh, I had a, I had a son who was that age, and he uh, had a physical problem, so he didn't go. But uh, right. you know, it, everybody, and like after the. World War Two, and I got discharged, <clears throat> you know, and, and I remember the, about the last guy I saw there, he wanted me to join the reserves. And I said, no, I didn't think so. I said, if there's another war and I can't make a PFC and truck driver, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> By golly, you know, and I was in college and during the Korean War, and they were, uh, some of the, a lot of the fellows that were in reserves, they get called back sure, in again. Sure you know? they did. And uh, you know, I, if you know, they, they had a big cadre of uh, of uh, World War Two veterans they could have called back in, you know. But uh, yeah. I had a, a brother-in-law who was in uh, the Navy, and he was in uh, a medic, and the and the medics said the he he was attached to the Marines. The Marines have no medics uh, of their own. They take the Navy medics, and, and Vince was in this medics in the Marines. Okay. And he was in this, uh, they went, you know, the American went way up 
almost to the border, northern border, and then the Chinese got into the thing. Right. And they were, they marched backwards, you know, but he got caught in this reservoir. And that's, that's a terrible experience for anybody to go through. And, yeah. and Vince uh, never got wounded or anything like that, but he was a medic and took care of all those guys, you know, and uh, that just, he had that, uh, I, I don't know what the term is, but in World War One they called it shell-shocked. Yeah, yeah. And then, then now they got this, uh, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a D, I don't P know. PTSD. It, it, right, and yeah. you know, and it affects a lot, and they remember, and they can't get it out of their head. Those are some of the, that's, that's kind of the little stories you have like that. And, well, I just appreciate anything else uh, on veterans here in Dickinson County you wanted to share before we well, go, Aubrey. Uh, as I said, there uh, a lot of these cemeteries. Each one is, is somewhat taken by some. A lot of times, ladies kind of take care of it. Barb uh, Lancaster, and she, he had a group of, in the Okaboya Cemetery, and I'm sure there's up and then the, the flags are put in. On Memorial, on, yeah, on Memorial Day, yeah, uh, that they kind of watch those things, and uh, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. I maybe I said it before, but I, I'm just irritates me that, it, that those plaques aren't replaced and so on. So you know, because some of them you don't, they're unknown almost. You can, yeah, a lot of the, and that's they sad. don't have a tombstone or anything like that. That's you know? right. Just sad when that happens. Yeah, it does really. Oh, I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's it's nice to remember. Of course, they called it when I was a kid, it was Armistice Day. Yeah, Armistice Day, and then later on they changed it to Veterans Day, which is okay too. Yeah, because it, it includes all of the veterans, uh, yeah. and of course, uh, the fellows today have a much different experience than than we do. Uh, but, but a lot of them, like I said, the each each when they find out you're a veteran, you know. It, you're always your buddy, buddy, all right. Now, That's you know. right, yeah. Well, you had a different experience than someone in the yeah. War of 1812 or Spanish-American, World War One, and, and as time goes on, but there's still that, that bond. Yeah, there's a bond, the bond, bond that so. you just have. You know, and it's uh, like I go down here to the, I belong to the American Legion. Yeah. Uh, well, I think one of my proud things my dad did, but I came home in 46, and uh, before I went back, went to start in college in the spring, but Dad had me join the American Legion. So I've been a member of the American Legion you know, ever since 1946. Sure. I belonged over in Mason City, and then I came back here, and I'm, I've been drawn in Milford. And uh, Verge Wallman's uh, kind of in charge. He told me the other day there was a, <coughs> uh, one of the fellows, uh, Jay Donaldson. And Jay Donaldson, he, was, he and I were born the same night, but he was born... The fifteenth, and I was born the sixteenth of June. You know. <laughs> a few minutes apart there. And he worked. He, he lived in Milford for a number of years, and he had the member of the American Legion, and he had moved to Ames and different places before. But he always kept his membership in the American oh. Legion down here in Milford, Iowa. No. Every year he sent this dues in. You know. Yeah. Well, Aubrey, we uh, you know thank you for your service and. Uh, and we thank those who before you and after you and yeah and yes yeah you've got a wonderful yeah I was gonna I'm gonna show you I yeah. have I have two hats here uh, that I put on and there's your yeah there's the one. World War Two yeah World right War there II show and that one and, and, I, and then 
And then I then I have the one here for the China Burmania. Yeah. I should hold that up. There we can. There I see it. Okay. Yeah. And of course this is a. And then of course you had arm and as we had patches. Mm -hmm. And I got about four patches from different uh, Air Force groups and. Uh, one that I think is the most interesting, the last one was this. I was in the 14th Air Force in China. It was a flying tigers, you know, something yeah. like that. So, and then I found someplace, uh, I drove trucks, oh, two and a half ton truck, a uh, good share of the time I was in the service. I, I drove from India to China over the old Lida Burma Road, too. That was, a, that was an experience. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and as I, as I look back at my life, when I came out of the service, and then I went to college, and uh, you know, in the summers I always look for something. I look for something. the last thing I ever thought of mm -hmm. driving a driving a truck. You know? <laughs> 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 that never became it never even entered my mind to go out and get a job as a truck driver. You know? so I guess I'd have enough trucks. You did your part with trucks. I did my part That's with trucks. That's right. Yeah, and of course. I never repaired them or changed the tires or stuff like that. Yeah. But you, you, you learned how to take care of your truck because you took care of yourself. But yeah, and you uh, saved the world at that time. So. Yeah, well, we 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 thought I, we have it and see what it's like today is uh, another another story. It just, uh, but the kids uh, of today. Uh, did not have the same experiences that I had, yeah. or young guys that you know my age and so on like that. So, and I don't think they a lot of them uh, really appreciate the uh, veterans and what they have to, have to go through. Yeah. So like even today, and I just admire young men because even, remember the day when I was in it was you were drafted, you know. Right. And of course, one of the one thing I always think about that. You'd meet guys from all over the United States, you know. And uh, it was interesting to get in the, the, to a different group or something like that and try to figure out where this guy was from, you know. And uh, pretty soon you would be able to tell you, well, you know, Southerners talk different and the mm -hmm. Texans <laughs> talk different and the guys from Brooklyn, New York talk different, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it, to, to us in the Middle West, you know, East and the West Coast is different. but. Some of those fellas, I remember uh, a group of fellas I, I was with, uh, I was up in China, and they sent in a bunch of fellas to replace us t to drive trucks. Right. Well, these fellas had grown up in Brooklyn, New York, they never even owned an automobile. <laughs> <laughs> Here they were supposed to be driving oh, trucks for the rounds in China. I thought, oh, that wasn't very, <laughs> very <It> was good. <laughs> quite an experience for a guy from Milford, Iowa, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And, well, it, I gave one more. I got one more story here. Okay. There was a, a young fellow by the name of Earl Sheldon, Muggs he called him, and he and I grew up about two or three blocks from each other down here in Milford. He was in the class ahead of me, <clears throat> but anyway, I, I was over in up in China, in Liangzheng, China, and uh, of course he gave him different jobs. So uh, they said, uh, "There's a, a, a C-46 coming in out to the line out there, and, and you're supposed to." Go, meet it and then get the cargo and put the cargo was. So I got up to the tower and I waited for this plane and it came in and then I followed followed into where it was parked up, you know, and it, it pulled around and turned the engines off and the 
I, I backed up to the cargo door, and the cargo door opened here. Here, Mug Sheldon steps out. Oh of my, my gosh! Truck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Again, on the other side of the world. I said, God, God, here's two guys from little <laughs> Belford, Iowa, meet her over and halfway around the world oh. in China, you know. And, well, they say uh, it's a small world, they Yeah, it's just a small world. Uh, and then Muggs was there, and then he came back and he was stationed there in that place for a while. So one day I asked Muggs if he wanted to, we drove from uh, Liangsheng over to Wanxian, which is on the Yangtze River, and we picked up a load of stuff that they were hauling from, to, anyway. Right. So I asked Muggs if he'd like to drive. Oh, oh yeah, he said, oh. So we drive over, you know, and what did we pick up oh, that no. day? What, 250 pound bombs. And they just put them in the back of the truck, you know. And so then we stopped at a cafe. We always stopped for lunch. And we had to, and we started out. The first quarter we went around, those bombs in the back. With, oh. <laughs> and I get your heart racing. And a mug turned about white, you know. And he said, All right. What happens if they go off? I said, Muggs, you'll never hear the bang. <laughs> <laughs> and you won't have to pay for lunch either. Yeah, well, you know, you, did, you never, you just did it because yeah. that's what you were just yeah. trying to do. Yeah. yeah. Amazing, Aubrey. Yeah. So. Well, again, I thank you for your service and all our veterans out there watching. Uh, we, we salute you and we thank you for your service as well. My friend, thank you for sharing you betcha, stories Jeff. with me. It's always a pleasure. <coughs> well, it, that's one thing about I, I, my legs aren't worth a nickel anymore. <laughs> I got one eye, and I have hearing aids. <laughs> but uh, I hopefully I get, I keep some of my hair and uh, keep my brain moving. And the, and the stories are still there. They're so. still there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to me, that's the most important part, right? And there. we just and us old veterans just love audiences. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a sure bet with me, I guarantee that. Okay. All right. Aubrey, thank you again, my thank friend. Thank you, Jeff. Aubrey LaFoy has been our guest here today. Uh, and again, we thank him for his service. Veterans, we thank you for your service as well. Thank you for watching us right here on Okaboji Broadcast. Okaboji Broadcast, broadcasting from historic Arnold's Park Amusement Park, is brought to you by the Scott Troutman State Farm Agency in Spirit Lake, by Pure Fishing, located in Spirit Lake, by Last Touch Painting and Cleaning, providing interior, exterior, and house painting and professional cleaning services in Spirit Lake, by Quest Wealth Management, a financial advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, with advisors Jan Spielman, A.J. Spielman, and Erica Wachholz by Duckies Marine and Motorsports Repair in Spirit Lake, Bank Midwest, Dream Big, Plan Wisely, Live Well by Lakes Regional Healthcare, Innovera Partner, Brands Law Office located in Spirit Lake by Ruthven Locker where carnivores are welcome on Hill Avenue in Spirit Lake by Back Engineering Services located in Spirit Lake by B Radiant Laser Skin Studio in the Okaboji Plaza in Okaboji and by Michael Thorson Farm Bureau Office located in Spirit Lake.